Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Monday version of the Two Guys at a Mic Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you had an outstanding weekend, sports and or otherwise, particularly the otherwise. Because sports, you know, it's still sports. It's the games of life, not what's really important. We had a lot of otherwise, by the way, over the weekend. We'll talk about that. Of course, we'll get into the football for sure. Our first full football weekend of the year. And what a weekend it was. It was good for the NFL. It was unbelievable. For college, one of the best weekends or one of the best Saturdays of college football I can ever remember. We'll talk about that and more, much, much more, on the TalkZone.com, Two Guys at a Mic Show, and, of course, we'll be serenaded by the musical expertise of producer extraordinaire David Olson. Enjoy the music. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much, David. Again, I uh, hope you had a great weekend out there. So much went on since we last left us on Friday. And I do want to talk about uh, the Sunday first slate of the NFL games. We'll get our Beat the Schmoes football results. Definitely talk about some of the 9-11 remembrances, that for sure. But I will tell you, I will tell you, I think uh, maybe, maybe one of the best weekends in recent memory I can ever remember a full slate of exciting games in college football. One of the best Saturdays I can ever remember topped off with a uh, absolute classic on Saturday night, which, of course, I watched in my true tradition Sunday morning at about 6.30. I watched the final quarter, but that was the uh, Notre Dame-Michigan game. But we'll get to all that first. Most importantly, let's welcome in my good partner. He was off on Thursday, Friday. I want to uh, thank Michael Moreau, the M&M man, and Brady Stiff for sitting in. They did a great job co-hosting, but, of course, He's a man you you can you can sit in a seat, but he's really he's his seat, and, and many females have said this too. His seat is really irreplaceable. It's my good partner, the Big Dog, Joel Redwanski. How's your seat, Big Dog? Uh, well, it's doing really well, and hopefully it won't need to be replaced. I mean, Mike Dick, I had his his seat replaced. You know that, coach. So. I do, I do, but yours, I think, uh, for eternity, my friend, is is irreplaceable. At least that's what they say. That is, that's good to know, coach. Yes. Yes. How are you, buddy? Uh, you were in New York. You got back. I know you were in New York last week. What what day did you uh, return? Well, we, we got back extremely late. Saturday morning, basically, is the best way for me to, to put okay. it. And uh, so we were there like all day Friday and flew out like at 11 o'clock on Friday night mm-hmm. out of New York. Okay. So you were there for the 9-11 preliminaries. You were not there for the 9-11 itself. I know we talked to you on Friday a little bit. Great job of calling in, by the way. We appreciate it. But uh Paint some of the picture a little bit of what New York City was like a day or two days prior. Well, uh, luckily we got to, eventually we got to see some sunshine while we were in New York City because, like you know, the hurricane was just still like we had all the other remnants of the storms over there. And it was supposed to rain all weekend, but the, the last two days were absolutely gorgeous. And uh, you know, there was a lot going on. We actually went to the World uh, Trade Center uh, tribute, the new, the brand new. Uh, Thing that they have. I brought back a couple things. One was a hat I'm only going to wear one time, and I wore it yesterday, and it's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool hat. It's just basically got two squares on it and symbolic of the of the World Trade Centers. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another thing I got that we got a couple of them were uh, 
metal wristband with a name of a World Trade Center victim on it. So it might have to be Tom Selleck, by the way, Coach. <laughs> Not the actor, uh-huh. but a Thomas Selleck, C-E-L-I-C. Interesting. How about that? So pretty cool. I mean, it, it was really, really touching. I, I have to admit, extremely touching. Like this, mm-hmm. uh, the, the World Trade Center. Uh, Were there uh, a lot of uh, tourists like yourself? How crowded was it? And the security, I know it was upped a little bit, but, I mean, was it out of control security or just a little yeah. bit tighter than normal? Yeah, it was it was absolutely out of control security. Wow. Now you uh, now we had a day where we went to the Statue of Liberty, Rockefeller Center, Empire State Building, Madame Tussauds, uh, you name it, Coach. We went to it, and I'm not kidding you. But I, I got to know a couple people really well during this trip. <laughs> Remember, I, I warned you about that. I, I there's somebody in New York that has got to love me. I mean, <laughs> no matter where you went, you're going through a metal detector. Uh-huh. You know the whole thing's well. We can't let the the terrorists win. Well, they kind of they kind of won. I mean, legitimately, like ten percent of my time in New York was spent waiting in line to get searched. Mm-hmm. It was kind of sad what the world has come to. No truth to the rumor that you went through one of those uh, video screening things at the airport, and the female security guard uh, had. Excuse me, sir, could you step through once again? No, no, that is okay. absolutely not. But All right, there was just checking. The guy, Earl, another Earl coach. I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh. No, it's uh. You know, it really meant a lot to me to actually go <laughs> yes. out there that time of year. Yeah. And uh, there's there was a lot of things like you know what there's still there are still papers tacked to walls with people's names on it missing mm-hmm. from that day. Mm-hmm. Like family members still just putting those those uh, those pieces of paper up around the city. You just you know you're all laughing and having a good time and you look up and you're like wow you know what I mean? There's like you all of a sudden you see a face of somebody who's got a. Yeah. There, you know, there were so many programs on it, and most of them, I'm sure, were outstanding. Yeah, I think for most people, you couldn't watch them all. I mean, if I had the time, I probably could have just watched like 12 hours straight of the History Channel, you know, and caught some really cool shows that were on on a bunch of different stations. But I did catch at least a couple, Big Dog, and uh, just brilliantly well done. One on the History Channel, one, I think, uh, Dateline, maybe that's ABC, Tom Brokaw, looking back at it, the interviews, the, the video film footage. Some of which has never been seen before. The the clearness of it and the uh, the uh, you know the quality of the, the the video footage was just outstanding. And boy, it did bring back memories, not necessarily good ones, but uh, just amazing to re- you know you you remember it. But some of those videos and pictures and first hand um, hearing from people that were there firsthand, it did bring back some of the memories very vividly, very very touching. Well, yeah, you know, I haven't seen any of that. I, I really haven't because I've been uh, so busy the last the last mm-hmm. week or so. But you know, when when inside the tribute, coach, yeah. uh, like they just had quotes from like just quotes, and this is like this is a guy calling his, his you know his mom right before he died, and the quote that he said to his mom right before he died, like just simple stuff. I mean, it was just unbelievable, like how hair jerking it was. There was just this one woman, and she and uh, it, this the quote was. She's like, to know that these people who died in this, yeah. we were breathing them in. I mean, just that quote, like, they're going to live on, because think about that. Those people were disintegrated. They go up into the dust, and now all these other people, New Yorkers are breathing these people in that, yeah. that died that day. I mean, yeah. that truly is true, believe it or not. Many, many of the bodies uh, never found, never, never recovered. Yeah. So it's, you know, not even a grave to put the bodies in. How sad can that be? There was one... Uh, Station, uh, Big Dog, that had on it was just video footage. No narration, 
no professional production, but they had gathered together and some had not been seen before. Video footage from people that just happened to bring out the video cameras and they put it kind of in a timeline. And again, no narration. It's just, it just, you know, be it the, the pictures of the people or the building or the planes or whatever, just a real live, sometimes very close up video footage. And boy, was it amazing. And the most, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Not touching, not awesome, but just, uh, just. Chilling. Oh, huh? Chilling. Yeah, that's not even it, but yeah, I don't even know if a word can describe it. It is after the, uh, the tower, in both cases, after the towers completely fell down, video footage of, you know, like a half a block away or a block away and the smoke and the debris billowing through the buildings and literally coming after these people, almost hurricane. Like, I had never seen that kind of footage. You know, if it was a science fiction movie, you would have said, man, the producers did a great job of pulling that off. But this, sadly, was the real thing. Coach, if you haven't been to the area, it's hard to comprehend how massive the area really is. It it takes you like 10 minutes to walk the length of it. Mm -hmm. It's a big, big area, so... It's, it's kind of mind-boggling because it actually took a lot took a lot longer than that because we mm-hmm. walked around the area and it, it takes a long time. So there was it's the largest man-made project uh, since the pyramids, basically, mm-hmm. Coach. I mean, the merchandise mart is bigger in terms of one like each building, but both buildings put together is the largest man-made project since mm-hmm. you know the pyramids. So the the thing is massive. Mm-hmm. And, and the memorial is still far from being done, correct? I could imagine when I, I actually they I, I saw the whole thing when they I saw it at a bunch of different levels. They actually saw like the like the new park that they're going to put in, you know, on scale and all the different pictures. And yeah, they got a long way to to get everything done. So it's a long way. Interesting. Uh, uh, the, the, everything's still under construction there, but it looks pretty mm-hmm. amazing. Now, when I went there five years ago or six years ago, so it's four years after nine uh, eleven. They still hadn't finished cleaning and getting all the stuff up, believe it or not. Four, uh, four years later, they were still removing debris. I, I was thinking about that. It wasn't my foremost thought as I'm watching some of the films from yesterday, but that did occur to me as you see some of the footage. My God, trying to clean all that up must have been something. But here we yeah. are. You're saying four years later, and there's still still some cleanage going on. Because that was when I went there in New York. That's I mean, that was one of the things. I was like, you know, I'm, I, you know, you got to see Ground Zero. You know, pay tribute to what had happened. Yeah, and. I mean, I was just dumbfounded. I could not, because it's, it looked like they didn't even start on it. I'm not kidding you. It was mm-hmm. four years later. I'm like, how big was this tile? I mean, I, honestly, I, it was <laughs> one of the most mind-boggling things. Is, and that there were still buildings that had windows and stuff blown out of it. It was four mm-hmm. years later. And yeah. they were working nonstop on it 24 hours a day to get the stuff out of there. So. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's a volunteer project that's just mind-boggling. How bad. Can you imagine starting? The cleanup project, you know how like you get a homework assignment or you get a research report. My kids get freaked out because it's like such a, a big project. Like where do you start? You try to tell them, hey, just you know, you know, don't think of the whole thing. Start at point A. Can you imagine the cleanup crew coming? Whatever it was, starting two, three days, a week afterwards, and okay, okay, where do we begin? They had a they had a foot of soot oh. a mile away at Hoiston Street, Coach. You could, I mean, that's how bad, that's what people yeah. don't realize. Don't forget the city was a foot deep through the whole entire city in that yep. area. Yeah. David Olson, a producer extraordinaire. 
And don't forget, before they even could start the cleanup, they had to shift, they sift through the rubble and find the remains. That's, I was going to say, oh, you're, you're not just so picking you up you garbage. Could, yeah, yes. you just couldn't come through with the back hose. Uh, no, they had to sift yes. through it all. Which, yeah, everything. Yeah. So that four years really, think about it, it doesn't really, that's at the four years part was when I was seeing them like put like stuff in trucks, mm-hmm. when they were like dumping stuff in trucks at that point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Amazing. Big dog out there uh, the week before, if anyone uh has any thoughts from watching the 9-11 memorials over the weekend? Want to ask Big Dog any questions? Uh, certainly very touching. We'll get to uh, the first football weekend of the year, but starting off with a little 9-11 um, discussion. If you feel like giving us a call, we'd love to hear from you. 888-463-6748. Again, our phone number here on the Two Guys at a Mic Show, 888 Big Dog, you said you you got touched up a little bit. You got groped a little bit, but did you, beyond the... Usual groping, did you get me? Because you're somewhat of a shady-looking character, and I say that only in the kindest of ways, but did you get pulled aside? Did anybody uh, possibly look at you as a suspect? You know, throughout <laughs> the years, and this is this is true, no matter where I go, yes. I'm the guy they pull out. It's, okay? It does seem I like I'm not it. kidding you. There was a day when we were flying through Heathrow Airport uh-huh. in London after 9-11, okay? And there was a guy with, with a Muslim with the whole the whole outfit on, right? Yep. Pulled me out right away. And I'm like, really? And I have to be out the truck. I'm like, and I like point my finger at him, really? I don't know what it is, but there's. Her head. She's like, I do, I do. She's like, there was a, every single I'm taking off this guy's shoes, and this guy's like, off the top of Lake, walking on the plane. And I'm like, really? <laughs> you see, I'm going to get you a t shirt for when you travel. And on the front of the shirt, it's going to say, really? Me? <laughs> well, really? <laughs> I, I was not targeted whatsoever. What, without question, I felt like yeah. they were just like, all right, go ahead. I'm not kidding you. Yeah. Completely. I, I was in the security line all week, and I don't think at one time was I even, like, suspected it. I mean, in fact, I went up and set the metal detector, and the guy looked at me, well, you got a belt on or something, man? <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? They didn't even freak out or anything. I mean, which is kind of funny. And I'm like, man, I've been making fun of you people for months, and now <laughs> you're not even going to give me some material? Very disappointing, Coach. Yeah, yeah, you know, you you got to deal with the disappointments, but there, there's something about I don't know if it's the look, the aura, and it could work for you, or it could work against you. But somehow you do seem to draw attention, and uh, you know, at the particular times, it, it can be a positive, big dog. But at the so, airport, not necessarily so. Let, let's go positive, Coach. I don't like my girlfriend's. Like I don't know how this happens, but everywhere you go, yes, people treat you like unbelievably well. Mm-hmm. We, uh, so now we're at, we, the first thing I told her is like, we're going to go to Yankee Stadium. There happens to be a game on the Wednesday at noon. So we're like, hey, that's perfect. We fly in it, get in New York at like 2 o'clock in the morning, do a bunch of stuff in Times Square, and then, you know, go up, wake up Central Park and then do the whole Yankee Stadium. And she's like, why do you want to go to Yankee Stadium first? I was like, because I will sit there and I will start talking to people and we'll know exactly what we need to do and where we need to eat. So that's how I made the food reserve, like the food plant. Mm-hmm. Coach, we were given three different places to eat. Well, a bunch of different places, but we picked three of them. One was one of the worst places I've ever eaten, and it's kind of funny. Got great stories out of that. The other two, so good, I can't even describe how good these the sandwiches were mm-hmm. and the steak was. Have you ever heard of Cat's Deli in New York? I guess world famous. A lot of famous delis there. Pets. Cat. K A T Z. I have well, all, all the guys are like, don't go to Carnegie's, you've got to go to Cass. I got pictures of these sandwiches, Coach. Yeah. The meat is just the size of my head. Yep. There's a, I think they have one sandwich that's actually called the Twin Towers. You know, they they actually do have 
like a hundred dollar sandwich that you can get with like ninety seven yeah. pounds of meat on it. Yeah, well, you can well, have I'm, you have lunch that day, and then you're bringing home, and it's good for like the next two weeks if you can keep it. Well, well, you know that's exactly what they do. They bring they bring like bags of food, so they you eat half, you start eating your sandwich, but you take half the meat off. And mm-hmm. you throw it into a plastic bag, and you make two more sandwiches when you get home. Yeah. It's the best thing to do. Well, yeah. while, I'm, while I'm eating the sandwich, I notice the guy that's taking out the garbage, and I'm like, man, he looks familiar. I can't understand why the guy <laughs> who's taking out the garbage looks familiar. <laughs> well, about two minutes later, the same guy taking out the garbage is like, hey, man, you finished one of my sandwiches? <laughs> well, the guy, Alan Katz, who owns the place, is taking out the garbage in this place. By the way, I counted 217 people eating, not the ones in line, just the people sat were seating in this diner. 217 people. That figure be a half hour coach, right? That take you to eat your meal. Yep. They're spending at least 20 bucks a piece. We're figuring at 3:45 in the afternoon, this guy's making about eight thousand dollars an hour. Okay, he's still taking the garbage out at his own place. Mm-hmm. That's why he's making eight grand an hour. But anyways, he sees me, coach. Walks over, he starts talking to me. Makes you know he's taking pictures with me. Oh, how you like that? I mean, it was just pretty cool. My girlfriend, like, everywhere you go, people, like, like point you out and do stuff to you. The whole weekend was like that, Coach. I'm like, everywhere I went, people were, like, pulling me aside. We go into places, like, they're buying us drinks, and they're telling other people, oh, get out of here. It's pretty funny, Coach. I, I don't know what it was. I had a good week. It happens, and again, it could work for you, and it could work against you, too. Because I know, you know... Anywhere in the vicinity of police stations or security guards or uh, airports, you know, it's not necessarily a good thing. But you do have a way of uh, drawing attention. I've, I haven't been out with you socially that much, but the few times we have, there's no question about it. Well, walking around with uh, the the fire department in New York hat, I swear to you, yeah. so like, hey, come on in, guys. Oh, you're from out of town. You know, it's beautiful. I don't know what it's my mom. <laughs> now, were you uh, outside Yankee Stadium, or did you get inside and actually get to watch a game? Oh no, no, we we watched the game. Oh, we got cool. we got great seats. And as a matter of fact, we went. I'm glad you brought this up. Now, coach, you know I have nothing against capitalism. Somebody wants to create something, make money off it, which creates jobs and more money for everybody else. I absolutely love it. But there's also a fine line about walking a baseball game. Legitimately, I felt like I was at a bazaar when I went into Yankee Stadium. I'd walk in, blah blah blah. You want to buy this? And they go, no. Take two more steps. Five minutes walking into Yankee Stadium, we were uh, we were attacked <laughs> at least eleven times by different people about trying to buy something. Uh-huh. What about a Yankee souvenir bat? No, uh, yeah, so I can beat you with it. That's uh, kind of you know, and I've never been to Yankee Stadium, but I, I would find that upsetting because my my vision of it is uh, you know a, a tradition, yeah. a deep, rich tradition of baseball, kind of an almost beautiful subtleness. To the stadium, you got people hawking you, and every two minutes you walk, it would kind of destroy some of the atmosphere. So I'm disappointed to hear that. Now, the original Yankee Stadium, which was the smallest park in the world, I yep. swear to you, it was an optical illusion. You walk in there, legitimately, you could walk across the concourse in three steps. Now, they they tore that down, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's torn okay. down. So it's a new one, Coach. And I, I will admit this. It was the smallest attended Yankee game in the history of the new Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. There were 2,800 people in the ballpark because wow. don't forget this is after this is a, a noon game after the previous game ended at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. It's no joke. It was 10 hours earlier. Still, okay, 2,800. And and this is the it was supposed to be lightning and thunderstorms and no possibility for a game because this had been and it had rained like eight days in a row in New York. So okay. 
There was only, and I agree with you, there was nobody in there. So what ends up happening is you have a full staff. So maybe they expect, instead of me being accosted every 30 seconds, I should have been accosted every eight minutes. Mm-hmm. But the, because of the attendance, it, it, it actually, these people had more stuff to do. So but it could, I, it I, could I, have even been worse. And they all work on commission. Mm-hmm. All those people, I talked to somebody who worked there, and they're like, oh, yeah, those guys are on commission. They're like Hawks coach. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So are you or are you not wearing a, a Yankee ankle bracelet right now? No, 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 Coach. <laughs> uh, I got I got no no Yankee memorabilia with okay. one right. Joel Redwanski. The only thing I wanted there was a picture with me next to something of Luke Eric, and I got plenty of that. So. Beautiful, beautiful. Memories of New York, not just today. We'll talk about it during the course of the week. I'm sure there's... More stories to tell. Of course, Friday you called up and related to the. We got to get to some football talk here, but talk just football. to review, Friday is a, a discussion where you lost your cell phone <laughs> and it was found by one of New York's most famous citizens. I never heard of the guy, but the naked cowboy actually found your cell phone and returned it to you via one of his chauffeur drivers. That was a, a heartwarming story to send me to the weekend, Big Dog. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was in Keene's restaurant having the best meal I ever had in the, yep. in the America's oldest steakhouse. Yeah, was phenomenal, Coach girlfriend gets a phone call oh this is for you hey excuse me uh if, so you've been calling this phone is this your phone yeah well i found it and you might have seen me i was wearing cowboy boots <laughs> white underwear a cowboy hat and a guitar that's all i had on did you happen to see me yeah i think i happened to see you naked cowboy pretty interesting coach <laughs> Good stuff. that sounds i had a great show friday after you hung up i thoroughly enjoyed it i had uh young brady stiff a good-looking man in his own right to my left on the right, where my uh, computer screen is here, David Olson had put up a full-screen picture of the naked cowboy. Thank you very much. <laughs> and then up on the TV screen, I'm watching Carolyn Wozniacki play tennis. So between those three visuals, Big Dog, I, I could have been talking about, uh, you know, paint drying, and I would have had an enjoyable show Friday. Speaking of paint drying. Uh-oh. Oh, no, I'm just... Uh... Yeah, speaking of paint drying, what about the, the Atlanta Falcon offense? Boy, were they brutal yesterday. Our Chicago Bears win the game 30-12. to 12. By the way, we'll have our first NFL round them up and wrap them up today. Looking forward to that. The NFL slate of games. We'll talk some college football, too. But, I mean, the Bears were good, big dog, as we switch over to NFL football here. 888-463-6748. Fans, you want to check in first full weekend of football. The Bears were good, but the Atlanta Falcons laid a collective egg. Did they not? Huh? I'm going to I totally disagree with it. Really? The Bears weren't good. The Bears' defensive line was incredible yesterday, Coach. Let's. I'm not going to even sit here and bash the, the Atlanta Falcons. Let's finally give the Bears some credit. Their D-line yesterday, I don't know if it's going to continue to play this the rest of the season. That was as dominant a performance as the Lovey Smith regime has had up front. It was awesome. And, and the beautiful thing about it, the beautiful thing about it, it was not gimmick eccentrated. It no, was no. it was just four guys beating their guy off the rush, and obviously Peppers was great, big dog. But I don't know about you, but uh, I'm part of the Henry Melton fan club right now. Uh, uh, Coach, you know how much I, I love this kid. Converted running back, and this kid just makes plays after plays. You know, it was funny. South Carolina in the college game has a kid by the name of Melvin Ingram. He's a former running back that they moved to defensive tackle. He had one of the greatest games in all of football this weekend. That's kind of like what Henry Melton is. He's a run, he's got running back speed, running back explosiveness, but now he weighs 285 pounds. And most importantly, Rod Marinelli coaches this kid up, coach. He does every, you can tell he gets better every game. They got a super.
superstar in the making in this kid, Coach. Yep. You know what teams will do now. They're going to watch on film, and the scouting reports will come back, and they're going to, you know, instead of running away from him, the best thing to do with someone like that is run at him. Atlanta's offensive line was not that good, but I would think team, uh, big dog teams are going to try to run straight ahead against the Chicago Bears. Power football. You're exactly right, Doug. Think about this. Michael Turner, 58 yards right up the middle. Michael Turner, 17 yards right up the middle. <clears throat> the only success the Falcons had offensively yeah. yesterday. And I'm talking about how great the defensive line play was, and obviously right up the middle is all the defensive line. That was where they gashed them. That was the only yeah. like screen plays. They covered it. You know, yeah. out to the outside, they covered it. You know, Brian Erlacher will continue to have interceptions and and fumble recoveries for touchdowns, and Lance Briggs will join in on the party, too, if these D-lines keep on playing like this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, But you're right, Coach. That is what they have to do, is run right at the Bears. That's the yeah. only way to do it this now year. Now we got Anthony Adams and Matt Tawanawana, or whatever. How do you pronounce his last name, big number 75? I believe he's a Tawina. A Tawina, and he's an angry Samoan. By the way, you'll be very proud of my son who I watched the game with. Before I could even bring it up, he picked out Tawina and said, hey, isn't that the angry Samoan theory that you and the big dog have? And that the team with the most angry Samoans win? And, you know, David, uh, David Cohn in his first NFL game picking up on our angry Samoan theory, which I, oh. quite frankly, had forgot about. Well, there's a lot to it. It's got to be an angry Samoan. Yeah. You don't want a Samoan that, like, sleeps on a hammock, eats no. a lot of papaya. Yep. You know and what I'm saying? The, and they don't have to be bit. I mean, look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you got angry Samoans, they can be effective. Effective too, like a Troy Palomalu, right? Yeah, Troy Palomalu, he's an explosive. Yes. Effective. Yeah. But Matt Tuano or whatever his last name, that, that's one big dude. They could just lie him down horizontally and he would stop the inside running game. Well, maybe because his hair would then poof up and be straight up in the Ooh. air. Put him and Anthony Adams on top of each other, that'd be like, uh, you know, that would be inviting the end sweep. Thank you very much. But Well, well yeah, well, you see that you'd have no idea where Brian Urlacher was. You'd have no idea if you put those two yeah. in the in the double <laughs> in the double two. Little the bunk bed defense. I think we just invented something. Um, <laughs> now I'll tell you one other guy that played outstanding yesterday is uh, Mr. Charles Tillman, number thirty-three. You talk about a you know the old expression of a shutdown corner. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get a lot of double coverage of Charles Tillman right on Roddy White the whole game. Shutdown job, and he did his usual punch the football out job as well. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, there was. Uh, a, a few people when the, when the game was going on, like uh, Roddy White, you know, caught like a 15 yard. And they're like, come on, gentlemen, you got to stop it. No, you. It's almost impossible yes. to stop a number one wide receiver every play. All I knew was on those on those rare times that Roddy White did get a little separation and he caught a 12 or 15 yard pass. He was hit immediately after the catch. Yep. And that Lou Holtz always says that, Coach. He's like, there are some passing attacks that if you're going to give up. Uh, pass plays through. The key is to no yards after the catch. Mm-hmm. You know, Charles Tillman, coach, is going to get beat again this year. But the whole thing is, how many balls is he going to pop out? How, you know, how many big plays is this guy going to make? And yesterday, if he continues to cover like he did and be a shutdown corner and a playmaker all rolled into one, mm-hmm. I know it's one game. But that one game yesterday, defensively for as a Chicago Bears fan, you've got to absolutely love what happened. Yep, they're going to have to be awfully good next week, too, as they take on the New Orleans Saints. Losers in their first game, of course, but uh, but explosive offensively. What, they score 35 points against the Packers, so it'll be a great test next week. But what a uh, you almost couldn't write a script better for an opening game, Big Dog, against an Atlanta Falcon team that many people, I don't know, 
was it one of our people even that many people picking to maybe be Super Bowl contenders this year? And, you know, Coach, you know, I try to lay it out. I have no problem making a, a solid pick. But if you look at the NFC this year, uh, the Falcons, the Saints, the Buccaneers, the Bears, the Packers, the Lions, uh, the, the Giants, the Redskins, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and I guess one team in the West. Well, one team in the West. But the, all those other teams that I just said to you all right now have legitimate playoff NFC championship aspirations, every mm-hmm. one of those teams. Hey, it's early. Yeah, of, I know. A lot of teams could say that after one game. We still got 15 to go, but uh, it was pretty good. Pretty good opening performance by the Chicago Bears. No question about it. Offense looked, uh, if not great, offense looked pretty darn good. Big Doug. Uh, you know what? I, I loved the first vacation of the play calling. Yep. For the first two and a half, three quarters. Yep. But in the fourth quarter, why do they keep on going back to stuff? You're blowing them out, and I know they were successful earlier, but when they were up like 30 to 6 and they started running the Devin Hester screen, run the Devin Hester screen, which, we had, which by the way, had just had sprung earlier for almost a touchdown, but don't beat that play into the ground. Don't let Devin Hester get hit by strong side linebackers when you're up 24 points. I mean, that play should be like, uh-oh, do you think they'll run it? Do you think they'll run it? Not. They ran it three times after he had the big play. That's stupid. Up until then, I thought the play calling was great. Yeah, they did run. They did uh, rest Matt Forte for the most part in the fourth quarter. Khalil Bell uh, proved again that he may not be the fastest, but pretty effective running back. But, yeah, I agree with you. The play selection, outstanding, throwing the ball downfield, throwing the short pass, mixing up the runs. And our runs weren't just one of our complaints in the past. was, you know, hand the ball off two yards up the middle. Okay. Keeping the defense honest, you got to run the ball. Well, yeah, you do got to run the ball. You do got to keep the defense on. But we could do something than just a straight handoff and make it for one or two yards every time. They mixed it up a little bit. Inside, outside, little misdirections. I enjoyed that part. I thought Mike Martz, uh, underrated coach of the game, would be Mike Martz. Well, I, I will say this. Mike Martz definitely screwed the pooch when. Okay, so later in the game, fourth quarter, you're up 30 to six, and you decide to pass and go and pass a bunch of times in a row, which I have no problem with. Put a team away, finish them off. You know, I believe you play to win. But if you're going to do that, don't you go to? He put like three wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back on the field, and he spreads them out, and he starts throwing the ball. You know what? If you want to throw the ball when you're up 30 to six, put two tight ends out there, a wide receiver, a running back, throw the play action, throw it yeah. over the top. They actually went to pass formation. I have no problem with them throwing the ball in the situation, too, them get coached. Mm-hmm. But take advantage of your advantage. Take advantage of it. They think you're going to run. As a matter of fact, they want you to pass the ball. So get in, get in a running formation, make it look like you're going to run, and then when you pass, you can actually bury them. You can put them away with a pass play. Mm-hmm. That work on your timing. You don't you know that, or In a way, that's almost how it felt to me, Coach, that they're like, hey, we're up 24, let's work on uh, some plays that we haven't run yet today. I really felt that's what Marks did, and you don't do that in the NFL. No question about it. No question about it. NFL expert and 9-11 enthusiast, the big dog, Joel Rodwanski, joining us here on the uh, Two Guys at a Mike Show. By the way, while you made your most recent comment, emailer Pooch just emailed it, and Pooch said uh, he enjoyed the calling of Mike Martz. That's cool. No, I, like, no, I thought he did phenomenal up until the game well, was in hand. Well, I was just thinking in hand. Based on the expression you used, I can imagine why Pooch liked it. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 888-463-6748, the phone number, Big Dog and a Coach at your service. We'll do a little NFL round-em-up and wrap-em-up in a second. Uh, 
as we go over all the NFL games. It was good. It wasn't phenomenal week one, but it was certainly good. But I will tell you, Big Dog, and I don't know how much of Saturday's games you were able to catch. I thought it was one of the best college football Saturdays I can remember in a long time. Did you catch any of the action? No, yeah, you say that a lot, Coach. I, I actually started watching games at about 5.30. So I, I saw the end of the A.M. or P.M.? Uh, yeah, P.M. I wish it was A.M., Coach. But <laughs> I, I did see the I did see the Melvin Ingram domination of, of the Georgia Bulldogs, and Melvin Ingram's going to be picked in the, in the top ten picks of the NFL draft. Melvin who? The, a defensive tackle for South Carolina, Coach. Okay, in the first half of the game, He's the up back. He wears number six, and he's 295 pounds and can run like the wind. Okay, he was a running back in high school. Well, they have him as an up back okay. on a punt. It's like uh, fourth and eight. Gets the snap, breaks the tackle, flies up the sideline, 75 yards for a touchdown. Okay, heck, did you see that defensive tackle run? It was amazing. Okay, later on in the game, uh, that clowny kid, you know, the, the number one overall uh, player coming out of high school last year was Starts for South Carolina as a yeah. freshman. Yeah. SEC, that's pretty good. Well, what, what position is he? He plays though the weak side rush end. He puts his hand down and chases the quarterback all day long. Coach, okay. he's got a. It, it's a pretty nice. He has no responsibility. Like freshman, you're probably too dumb to learn anything. Go chase the guy with the football. Okay, coach. Well, he, he was chasing down uh, Aaron Murray, Georgia quarterback, knocked mm-hmm. the ball out of his hands. Guess who comes and scoops and scores? Our guy Melvin Ingram, 295 pounds, like a ballerina, jumping over people, <laughs> putting up a one. Coach, do you know what the best thing was? Coach, most, uh, the, the, it seems like the game is out of the hand, right? So this, I mean, it was such a beautiful play, the way he jumped over this guy and picked it up with the one hand. He runs into the end zone, very calmly, doesn't even celebrate, walks and hands the ball to the official, taps him on the foot, nods his head, and then walks to the sideline while everybody else in the whole place is going bonkers. And he just has a smile on his face that he walks to the sideline. That was the second touchdown of the game. Oh, and then, by the way, uh, Georgia scores again, so they put the hand teams out there. Guess what? Who gave, guess who covered the onside kick for the hand teams for South Carolina? Wow. Melvin Ingram. Interesting. I hope uh, Rod Marinelli and the Chicago Bear coaching staff are sending him a little um, thank you note or hello card sometime today. He would look very good based on your description. I didn't see much of that game, but uh, he'd look good in a Chicago Bear uniform next year. Yes, I would. Yeah, he can even wear number six if he wants to play defensive tackle. Two hundred and ninety-five. We'll put him next to Henry Melton, and all will be good. Two former running backs going after people. Yeah, I would like that. I like that philosophy. Very good. That was one of many of the great games. Forty-five, forty-two. South Carolina knocks off Georgia. The Bulldogs are off to a zero and two start. Probably the marquee game, one of the best I've seen in recent memory. Dog was the Saturday night game, Michigan and Notre Dame. The first half was good. The second half was unbelievable. The finish of the game, one of the more dramatic in recent memory. Notre Dame loses. Michigan wins. Notre Dame really, what would you say, controlled the first three quarters of the game, but the fourth quarter was all Wolverine. Yeah, yeah that's basically what it was, was. I would definitely say controlled because for the first three quarters, the only positive plays Michigan had that didn't involve a Denard Robinson run we're basically Denard Robinson closing his eyes, throwing the ball straight yep. up in the air and having it luckily land in Hemingway's hand. Yep. I mean, so you're right. Michigan was lucky to be even close in that game. And then the last, I mean, the back and forth, three touchdowns in the last minute and 12 seconds. I will say this, it was an exciting game, Coach, but there was a really part of me that was like, I know this is exciting, but this is just such bad defense. This is like watching people play catch. Yeah. I mean, it was, there are some plays where 
you have running backs just like knock people over and do, but it was like the quarterback just dropped back and threw to a wide open guy and he ran down the field. Yeah, a lot of, uh, not just physical mistakes, but mental errors, missed assignments, receivers, wide open and incredibly clutch situations. That atmosphere though, too. Uh, at Michigan, what, 114,000 fans. The fans just are rocking and rolling. You had a little section of the stadium for Notre Dame, but what a great atmosphere. It was the first night game ever. Yeah. First night game ever at the big house, uh, and you couldn't have got a more exciting finish. Well, well, first of all, Michigan started to come back in the early part of the fourth quarter, and they got it down to 24-21 with a touchdown pass. And you're thinking, wow, the Wolverines are back in it, and that's when things just got absolutely crazy and got down to, what, Michigan taking the lead with a minute and 12 seconds left. They score a touchdown. And, you know, the place is going crazy. You know, Notre Dame's Brian Kelly, unbelievable loss. I can't believe this happened to it. Minute 12 left, they get the ball back. And Tommy Reese, who overall was pretty good, leads the team down for a touchdown. Unbelievable. And, and there was a missed assignment in that one, too, like guy wide yeah. open for 40 yards. Yeah, it was Michigan didn't play great defense on this draft whatsoever. No. And you're like, oh, what a letdown. Brady Hoke could have had his first yep. win as coach of yep. Michigan. And they, they got the, you know, and Brett Musburger said it, and you know, I I, I kind of believe it just a little bit, but he's like, you know, they there's still 30 seconds for Denard Robinson to work with, and I'm like, well, at today's game, you know, it could happen, but I, I didn't think it would, Coach. Right down the field, and they score. I, it's, for a, yeah. a Notre Dame fan, that's got to be as hard of a loss. Oh. I can't even imagine how hard of a loss yeah, that was. And, and it makes it that much hard because of the unbelievable drive with a minute and 12 seconds left. Uh-huh. You know, which would have been, wow, what a comeback. It would have been such a great victory on the road. Build the program up and everything. You came back and got that miracle touchdown drive. What it would have meant for Tommy Reese, the quarterback, and the confidence the team would have had in him. And all of a sudden, in 30 seconds, and uh, all they needed was a field goal. Michigan with 30 seconds. In 30, they got a touchdown. Got a touchdown, and he threw it up for grabs in his receiver, uh, Roundtree, right? Yeah, yeah, what a play he made. Woo! Just what went up and snatched it in midair with uh, two seconds remaining on the clock. It was just an incredible finish to uh, uh, an incredible game. Great, great. That was the highlight, but there were a lot of great games on the Saturday slate of college football. Uh, I, I wish I could have watched more of them. But uh, there was a like Iowa, Iowa State goes into triple overtime. And the, the funny thing is they play for a trophy coach. Yep. And I know nobody really cares about the Iowa-Iowa State rivalry except if you're in Iowa, but the funny thing about this is the, the new trophy that they were going to display this year was so cheesy and so bad that both the Iowa and Iowa State fans said we will never even, we won't even accept the trophy. We don't even want it. It's that ugly. I heard so it was, uh, I think it was a cow in a compromising position. It was actually a cow in a compromising position with a man and a young boy involved. Oh, in it. stop. And I, stop. Coach, you think I'm, coach. You're the one who brought. You're the one who brought up the cow. Well, you took That's it to exactly another level. What it was. It was. It's the stupidest thing you will ever see. Yeah. And who cares about the trophy? The game was phenomenal. Well, well, they they had a temporary trophy. Yeah. Okay. So the 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 cyclones run over and pick this thing up, and right when they picked it up, the head flew off of it. It was one. Of the, <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't even care. So the head flies up. Another guy catches it. Those fights over. Maybe. It. That's what like the trophy should be. From now on, it should be a headless trophy. Oh, but, but the, 
but watching those guys fight over the head when it flew off, yeah. and like it was like a garter belt at a wedding. Yeah, it was phenomenal, coach. <laughs> well, it was, it's like was... we 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 kidded about it on our old radio show. The Purdue, uh, what is it? Purdue against is it Minnesota? No, Purdue Indiana for the old oaken bucket. Uh-huh. It's like who the hell wants to win that? You know, who the hell wants the old oaken bucket? Get some kind of new trophy. But you know, I played for an old oaken bucket. Yeah. I did. It was. It wasn't back. Old Oaken. There's nothing wrong with the old Oaken bucket. Okay. I guess there's. You know. There's there's some good old Oaken buckets and there's some bad old Oaken buckets. But more importantly is the rivalry in uh, Iowa State, who kind of plays a backseat to Iowa. They score a touchdown in the third overtime and beat Iowa. The celebration on the field was incredible to watch. Yeah. It's you know eventually when the the Big Twelve is totally dissolved and nobody wants Iowa State. Iowa State's going to have one game a year, and it's going to be against Iowa. Think, think about if you're the Kansas State, the Iowa State of the world. What's going to happen? Because, you know, Missouri and Kansas will get picked up by another conference. Well, you know, it, It's really sad what's going on in college sports, Coach. And I don't like yeah. – I don't want to – I know we'll just talk results of what happened this weekend, but just, yeah. just, just maybe, throw it uh, out. Yeah. Maybe midweek we can get to some conference talk because it is yeah. interesting. But you're right. we got to review the games uh, – Today, I heard Iowa State. By the way, they're they're going to stay even if the Big Twelve dissolves. They're going to stay in there for one year, so they're the only team and they can actually bring home their first trophy ever in football. That would be freaking awesome. That's that's but, their plan. But the problem is they might be they might have to play Baylor in that Big Twelve championship <laughs> game. I don't, think, I don't think anybody wants Baylor either. Watch that's out for the a, Baylor Bears, an offensive machine. Who's their quarterback who threw for like eighteen touchdowns? Uh, Robert Griffin, the third coach. I was, I was. He's legit. I've been talking about this guy for uh, over a year now. Yep. For both, so this kid can flat out play. But the, yeah, but when he graduates, no one's going to go to Baylor again. Mm-hmm. Rice uh, knocked off Purdue. They missed a field oh. goal with thirty one, uh, a thirty one yard field goal at the buzzer. That was a great game. Uh, New Mexico State knocks off Minnesota. Minnesota's coach, uh, our good old Dr. Jerry Kill. Had a seizure with 30 seconds left in the game. Alabama over Penn State in the whiteout. They go to Penn State, knock off Penn State 27 to 11. Friday night. Friday night. I missed the end of it, but uh, good listener, Dr. Jack, an Arizona State grad, uh, made sure I had a text first thing in the morning on Saturday morning as Arizona State knocked off Missouri in overtime 37 to 30. So really the, the histronic start of that Friday night picked up. That was a great game. You know, that we always got the players at the beginning of the year that, that we're watching, like uh, the Russell Wilsons or the Marcus Lattimore's of the world coach. But uh, this Osweiler, the, the quarterback from Arizona State, wait till you see this guy, coach. He can move. He's got good feet. He can run. He can run you over. Oh, and by the way, he's six foot eight. Wow. By the way, we're going to see him next week. It's the first real test for your very own uh, Illinois Fighting Atlanta. They're playing Arizona State next week? That would be correct. Please tell me they're playing them in Champaign and not Arizona. Need to check that out. I think okay. it might be in Arizona, but I do not know. I, that, I, as a diehard Illinois fan, I'm, I'm embarrassed, yeah. but I legitimately have been working like nonstop. Yeah, well, Illinois had a couple. I mean, they've been impressive. When you play a weaker team, you know, you're supposed to beat them bad, and they have, so I give them credit for that. But their first real test will be up on Saturday. They won 56-3. to You mentioned the quarterbacks, though. And, dog, it's early. We're only two weeks into the season. But I, I had in my notes, after watching a bunch of games, the first two weeks, the quarterback play in college football, I mean, almost every team has got a legit quarterback. Northwestern beat Boston College last week. BC's got a... What a redshirt sophomore quarterback in the team! That kid was good. 
Uh-huh. I mean, and there, it's a, I think the quarterback play at the collegiate level is just outstanding right now. And, and at no time in the history of football have quarterbacks had more on their plate yep. on the college level. It used to be back in the day, oh, you had a quarterback that you know ran the option and maybe every once in a while you'd have to chuck it down the field kind of like Denard Robinson does. But you know, nowadays it's very much to the pros. you got to, like, check. Uh, you got to audible. There's always check with me plays. And mm-hmm. so not only do these guys have to run, you know, they have to – they have to do the whole thing. You're right, Coach. There really has been an upgrade in quarterback play. Northwestern, you know, it's not like Northwestern gets the the highest rated quarterback, but they had a, a guy they were pushing for the Heisman Trophy this year, and Danny Persia. We saw him play last year, first team All Big Ten. He's injured. Somewhat take down the Heisman Trophy signs and the publicity material, but the guy who steps in for him, number two guy at Northwestern right now is well, you know, Heisman Trophy's out of the running, but he he's been. Outstanding. The first two weeks, Kit Kane Coulter out of Colorado. So uh, even a school like Northwestern's got quality quarterback play at least two deep. Yeah, and if you look up and down, like the Pac-10 is loaded. Pac-12, excuse me. That's the first time I messed that one up. That's, but that's, uh, you know, they're loaded with with young uh, quarterbacks. And the mm-hmm. Big Ten, there's eight really good quarterbacks, like good college quarterbacks in the Big Ten right now. Yep. Not so. my surprise team called Purdue, by the way. So much for that prediction, huh? Well, yeah, that's too bad, Coach. That's yep. too bad. Yep. They lose on a missed field goal. By the way, you know I have my instincts in most things in life, Big Dog, not very, very good. That's why I'm doing a uh, sports talk show on a non-English speaking. Or actually, it is English speaking now. But um, on our 24-7 Internet sensation here, the thetalkzone.com. But I tend to have pretty good instincts on which games to tape and watch and I pulled off a winner six o'clock. I said, you know what? I'm going to watch Michigan Notre Dame. But Northern Illinois University at Kansas, and part of it, I have to admit, we visited the Kansas campus for spring break with my kid. I saw the football field and uh, talked to a few people. You could tell Turner Gill, they were a little energized about football. So I had a good feeling about Kansas. NIU was very, very good this year. I had a feeling, interesting matchup at Kansas. It was going to be a great game of dog. I don't know if you saw it or not, but wow. I mean, Michigan-Notre Dame was good. The second-best game of the weekend, folks, was was uh, Northern Illinois at Kansas. 45-42, Kansas goes for the winning touchdown late. And you talk about quarter play, uh, quarterback play. Chandler Harnish for Northern uh-huh. Illinois, dog. I don't know if you've seen him play. He is a, uh, I'm going to say it right now, He's a, he is a Heisman Trophy candidate and NFL prospect. The guy's really uh, good. Well, that's, good. that's cool to hear. Because I do remember the kid playing when, he took over when somebody was injured. He played like yeah. two games as a freshman. He's much so, better now. Well, you would you would hope so that they would they would improve like that. So that was another great game. Another great game we haven't mentioned is Texas beating BYU at home, seventeen to sixteen. Barely. Do you, do you know that there's a, a McCoy throwing to a Shipley down there? Colt McCoy's younger brother. He's throwing to Jordan Shipley's younger brother. So wow. Case McCoy is throwing to Jackson Shipley, coach. And Jackson, okay, Jordan Shipley is in the NFL, and he's a good receiver in the NFL. Jackson Shipley is better than uh, Jordan Shipley is right now. You should have seen the plays this kid made. The way he ran a button hook, the old turnaround and throw me the ball. And right when he was about to catch it, he sensed the guy was going to hit him in his legs. He jumps in the air and ends up catching the ball, like, between his legs, and the guy goes underneath him. It was like, it was like he's a magician. I've never seen anything well, like that before. And when he did that, the guy next to him like didn't know what was happening while he was hitting him, and he pushed him in the air, and he ends up running like 35 more yards uh, and wow. gets inside the. The kid is freaking phenomenal. What, is, he a, uh, is he a senior? Another guy the Bears should be sending a postcard to? 
No, he's he's uh, a freshman, wow. and he's he's the best receiver. He's a, Texas's best player is Jackson wow. Shipley, a freshman, the a wide receiver. True he's freshman, ridiculous. Woo. By the way, one wide receiver who will be available in the NFL draft, and if you watched Saturday Night's Classic, Michigan and Notre Dame, it, it was it was basically like watching an NFL. I don't know if I would say all pro, but a good NFL receiver playing in a college game. That's what it was like. Michael Floyd for Notre Dame, big dog. Uh, unstoppable. 13 catches. And I, and I would add, for Michigan's defensive coach, you, you might want to put double coverage on the guy. Yeah. But, that, but that, I mean, that, that, he right. clearly is an NFL receiver, Michael Floyd. Yeah, I, I know I know if you're going to double cover a wide receiver like Michael Floyd, that basically means that you're, you're giving up an area and letting the team take advantage of you in the run game a little bit. But Notre Dame wasn't running the ball. They weren't running it at all. You had it double Michael Floyd. That was ridiculous. Yeah, and, and then they I mean, finally did. They finally did. They dropped a uh, rush lineman back on the biggest play of the game uh, when uh, Michigan was driving with, what, like 23 seconds left. They finally double-teamed Michael Floyd, which was smart. But then they, they left the coverage area completely wide open, and right down the field went the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, it was strange, strange uh, defensive calls for, uh, yeah. for Brady Hoke. Let's be honest with that. That's his forte. That's what he's going to do. He's our guy. I, I like Brady Hoke. And if you're an Ohio State fan right now, you, you're you probably a little worried that the dominance over Michigan might be over. What a contrast. Brady Hoke is going to, be, going to do a good job there. Yeah, I think you're right. I had some doubts, actually, but after watching that game, I like his style. And what a contrast between him and his demeanor and Brian Kelly on the other sidelines, Big Doe. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. What a surprise that Michigan players kept their poise. Yep during the end of the game because their coach kept their poise the whole time. Jernod Robinson makes a really bad throw. He pulls him off and talks to the kid on the side. Yep. I mean, if you want to scream and yell at a defensive end who's a rush end and all he does is chase quarterbacks, that's okay. You don't <laughs> belittle your quarterback. You know yeah. what I mean? You don't want your quarterback thinking. You know, you know what I mean? He's just like, oh, no, am I going to make a mistake? No, no, that, you don't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, Brian Kelly got what he's done. And you know what's funny? He said this week, and I, I heard it, I saw the quote, Oh, that wasn't me. That that's out of my character. Is it Brian Kelly? It's every week we see you screaming on the sideline. Don't say that was out of character. Yeah, I remember him at Cincinnati uh, doing the same thing, and I yeah. even saw him. But you know, and it was just when I was barely starting to get to know who Brian Kelly was when Cincinnati was going good, and he would get mad at his defensive coach, and he'd rip the clipboard away or start yelling at his defensive coach. And I thought, man, you know, and again, I didn't know the guy that much, but boy. You know, that's kind of odd behavior. You're ripping your coach in front of the players and the fans, and sure enough, it was just a uh, prelude of things to come for the ravaging maniac. Yeah, that's that's pretty much that's what it is. So, what, you know, if he just would have said, hey, you know what, I got temper issues. Sometimes I'll let it play. I could, all right, at least admitted it. To him say that was out of character, yeah, I was like, you know, this wasn't the first camera ever invented, the one that you're talking into <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> We've yeah. seen it before. It was out of character. Nice try, Brian Kelly. Yeah. By the way, one other game we should mention for June, Virginia, rather, knocking off Indiana 34 to 31. They were down. Oh, game. They were down 20 points for the Virginia team. Indiana takes the lead, came back from 20 points down, and then Virginia scores, what, 11 points in the last 90 seconds, last minute and a half to take the game. Not two powerhouses, but that was a great game as well. Virginia knocking off the Hoosier. Yeah, you two basketball schools giving you an electrifying football yep. game, Coach. Yep. Another great game. How about 
the only game I got wrong on Beat the Schmoes was uh, Auburn versus uh, Mississippi State. Yes. Did you see the tackle by Auburn on the last play of the game to save uh, it? I didn't, know. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, uh, well, uh, basically, an Auburn player came flying up, protects uh-huh. the lead, dives at the knees, and flips the running back from Mississippi State who lands on the one-yard line. Actually, you know what? I think I did see the highlight of that. Yes. That was it. Was a phenomenal play. Yeah. Obviously, I couldn't watch the game live. I was, I was uh, on the Chicago River at the time, but mm-hmm. that that was that was one heck of a ball game, and uh, that was the only game I got wrong Did as we coach uh, on the Beach Smoke Picks. And you know what? I deserve to get it wrong because the earlier in the week when I made fun of you last week for the Indiana game taking Ball State when they were only a six point favorite, Mississippi State only a six point favorite over Auburn. It was the trap game. Auburn goes and wins. That's what happens every time. Mm-hmm. Big dog going 2-1 uh, and one off a 3-0 and oh week. You're 5-1 and one overall. David Olson following up a 2-1 uh, and one first week with another solid 2-1. and one. David had, what do we have, Detroit over Tampa Bay? Houston over Indy. Boy, they barely got by, huh? Oh, yeah, that, that was a, a close squeaker. one. Yeah. <laughs> it was 34 to nothing, like uh, a sneeze and a half into the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and immediately everybody's saying about Indianapolis, you know, LeBron, Cavaliers, Peyton, and the Colts, so Indy's going to hear that until they can start playing better. Which is exactly what I said on Friday That's when right. I made that pick. That's right. Oof. I don't think you thought it'd be thirty-four nothing. Actually, quick. I actually I did. Really, I did. I knew it was going to be a blowout like Man. that. That was I, I. In the in the year plus I've been doing beat the schmoes, I have yep. never been more confident in a pick than I was in that game. Okay, well you nailed that one. Correct. You missed Atlanta and the Bears. I went one for two, big dog. So I have uh, started off the year with two consecutive. One and two records, not very impressive for myself, but what the heck? Yeah, you can get a, a three and zero oh and bounce back. Uh, you know, stick with the Sun Belt, stick with the Mac, coach. Well, I'll maybe, tell you one team I'm, I'm not sticking with, and that's Purdue. I picked them twice in a row. I had Iowa minus six and off against Iowa State. I'm, I sent Kirk for runs a note last night. Very disappointed in him. Oh, a minus six team lost. Oh, like like it seems like every single week. <laughs> Seriously, like from now on, just live. Plus six. Just look for the plus six as coach, and you'll win those games. Yeah. All right. So I'm off to a rough start. It's a long season, though, big deal. Pace yourself. But you are off to a good start. Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm a, I'm a 0-3 weekend away from totally panicking. Okay? <laughs> All right. You know what? We're going to have to do NFL Roundup, wrap them up tomorrow, one-hour show. But we should mention real quick, U.S. Open Tennis. Now, you were out in New York. I don't know if you – did you make a visit to Flushing Meadows? Uh, no, I did not leave the island of Manhattan. While I was there, okay. so but I, when I was on the the top of the Rockefeller Center, I did point out and say, "Hey, look, that's the where they're playing the U.S. Open right now." Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're down to uh, the the women's final is over, and uh, Serena Williams, who just ran through opponents into the finals, everybody had her win in the finals, but no, she gets beaten yesterday by twenty seven year old Aussie Sammy Stoser, big dog, major upset there, and then the day before. It was Roger Federer with a two-set lead over Novak Djokovic, and Djokovic came back and won. You know, I was on the treadmill at our local fitness center watching that thing. I got off the treadmill, wiping off the sweat, stretching out a little bit. Two sets to zero, and the announcer's basically writing off Djokovic. And I'm watching, and I know nothing about tennis, dog. And I said, you know what? I'm just watching a little bit of the first game, first couple games of set there. I go, he's going to come back and win. And sure enough, I read in the paper, he did indeed. Amazing comeback by Djokovic. Yeah, I mean, Djokovic, I mean, that's, that ends up being an instant classic. Yep. But, you know, when you do something like that and you're competing against NFL football, nobody notices. Yep. 
I didn't even know that that had happened, Coach. Yeah, he was down two sets to zero. It was on Saturday. He was going up against uh, college football. Is it Jakovic or Djokovic? Djokovic. Are you sure? Yes, Coach. Is your last name Radwanski or Radwanski? Either way, Coach. Okay. Well, uh, Djokovic taking on Nadal today. We talked about it before. If he wins, big dog. If he wins, I know he's not a Grand Slam winner, but I, uh, me thinks it'll go down as, uh, if not the, one of the best individual seasons ever in the sport of tennis. Yeah, it, it has to. It has to. If for anybody that's won three, uh, uh, three Grand Slams without question, it's the greatest season. Yeah, he's 63 and two. And then, and then you 60. can start getting into, uh, how, but if you also consider how relatively good everybody is, think about right now, Men's tennis. I mean, Nadal, Federer, Murray. There's a lot of really, really good players. So yep. he went 63 and two. It's incredible. And it, you know, it's not like when Mike Tyson in the in the early 90s was knocking out every single chump they put in the ring. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's like yep. it's a high level of tennis yep. right now. Not just the three four, but even at like eight, sixteen, thirty two. There's some good quality players. You're exactly right. And by the way, tomorrow we got to talk about a little team sneaking up in baseball. The Tampa Bay Double Rays. They're coming from behind. Here come Tampa Bay. Swept Boston. Unbelievable. Swept Boston. And and thank goodness. We we actually have some. We got a pennant race again in baseball. We have people worried that they might not make the playoffs. Yep. That's cool. I'm yeah, glad. little and, intrigue. And it's everybody's, including mine, you know, uh, World Series gimme, which was uh, the Boston Red Sox. Well, all of a sudden, the whole pitching staff was hurt. Lost. They've lost seven of eight. All right, we'll do NFL Roundup, up, wrap them up tomorrow. Big dog, uh, residue Tuesday. We'll never have more residue than uh, tomorrow. Glad you're back safely from New York, my friend. Uh, Coach, I am glad to be here, and it's good to be back. Get your hand off. Get your hand off my thigh. Coach, that wasn't my hand. And that's not my thigh. Have a great day, everybody. Talkzone.com. Two guys at a mic tomorrow at ten. Don't be late.